Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I am your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Chris Tanner. Thanks for being on the show, Chris. Yeah, thanks, Whitney. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, Chris, he's a business development manager at New Direction Trust Company. He's assisted thousands of individuals and business owners, established self-directed retirement accounts, and they have an extensive experience facilitating real estate syndication. So looking forward to getting into this, Chris. Would you give the listeners a little more about your background and, and uh, just your background in helping people use their, their self-directed IRAs? Yeah, of course. Uh, so my background is both personal as well as professional. And so I, I actually opened up a self-directed IRA account back in 2006. And so I've been using that, obviously, for the last uh, dozen years. Uh, so I personally use a self-directed Roth IRA as well as a solo 401k. Uh, then a little bit later on, about six years ago, I actually started a business in which uh, we offered solo 401k plans and we just specialized in that. And more recently, I've joined New Direction Trust Company. But through those companies, that's where I've really worked with a lot of clients, a lot of investors, and all kinds of real estate deals, but certainly uh, syndications for the apartment deals and the type of uh, investment opportunities you're giving your folks. And so we've seen the paperwork. We've you know worked with all different kinds of accounts. So plenty of experience when it comes to helping facilitate that and making things go smooth for both you and your investors. Great. So you had mentioned, you know, Roth IRA and solo 401k. What are some of the differences? Why would I have one or the other or what do I need to know about one versus the other? Yeah, that's a great question, Whitney. And what I would say is, is just be aware, you know, your listeners want to know that they have options. And I could go through a big list of the options, but the short of it is, is you can kind of break them down into two categories. And the way I like to think of them is you can have individual accounts, like a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA, where there's a custodian involved. And on the flip side of that, you can have accounts that give a little bit more control to the individual client. So a couple of examples would be like a checkbook IRA or a solo 401k. And so the big difference is, is there's pluses and minuses to both. And one does not fit all. And this is where you want to contact somebody, a custodian, to kind of discuss what's a good fit for you. But here's the short of it. I would say for people that are fairly new and maybe don't have a lot of experience uh, with using retirement funds or a little bit new to investing in general, I think for those folks, having a custodian, at least initially, is a good idea. And Whitney, the reason I think that that's a good idea is a custodian is actually going to look at the paperwork and kind of look over the individual shoulders uh, to kind of give them a guide. And I think initially when someone's really new, that's probably a good idea. Now, obviously, when there's somebody doing that, there's going to be some more fees involved. And so as long as your listeners know going in that if there's a custodian, there's probably going to be a few more fees. That's just to be expected because we have to do a little more work to make sure that everything's going right. We want to make sure it's titled correctly and things of that nature. 
So for folks maybe like you or people that are a little more seasoned, have a little bit more experience and don't necessarily need the custodian looking over the paperwork and making sure things are titled correctly, I think a checkbook IRA or a, a solo 401k offer people a lot more control to really do the transactions themselves and not have as much involvement with a custodian. So I think it is a personal fit and it kind of depends on someone's comfort level with knowing pro, the prohibited transactions and, you know, just that comfort level, being able to manage it themselves versus having someone kind of help and or assist them. So if I'm new to this, though, I mean, you highly recommend finding a, a custodian so we don't mess up, right? We don't make some mistakes that could really I mean, hurt us in a big way, correct? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, I work for a custodian, but the fact of the matter is there are a lot of custodians out there. And I think there are many of them that do a good job. And so what I suggest is that people find a custodian that's been around for a while, that has a good track record. And I always say, you know, ask the investment community who they're using and who they're having good success with. You know, referrals are key. And make sure you have someone that's already got experience with those folks. And because you're dealing with apartment syndications, I think different companies have different strengths and weaknesses. That should be a question that they ask is, you know, do you work with these types of syndications? And if so, how many of these do you do? How familiar are you with these? And what are your processes? And how do you, you know, make this happen? Because uh, I think different custodians are just, they're better at some things than others. See, that's something I wouldn't have known. I appreciate you saying that because that was going to be my next question. Like, you know, what do we need to know as far as questions to ask a custodian to make sure they're a good fit? Is there anything else we should know to know to ask that person? Yeah, obviously, we want to know how long they've been in business. And in the syndication arena specifically, one of the things that is important to me, and I'm sure you would agree with this, is a lot of times you have a deal and we've got deadlines and we have timelines. And I see a big smile on your face because if you've worked with the self-directed retirement plans before, you know that sometimes we have to open an account, we have to move money over, and then we have paperwork. So there's, there's some moving pieces there. You're going to want to pretty, you want to know how fast they can get things done because sometimes you're under a tight deadline. You know, you've, you're closing a deal. So to me, that would be very important is to let them know how they can get, how quickly they can move. But a good custodian is going to be able to streamline that process. So for example, here at New Direction Trust Company, we work with syndicators like yourself, and we like to have the subscription documents ahead of time. And by having those ahead of time, it allows us to move quicker and we can actually pre-fill a little bit of that form to make things go faster and smoother for the client. Those are the kind of things that I think a good custodian can help you that both assist you and the client. And I, I think that's really key. And then customer service is vital. And so that's where the referrals come in. You know, you need to be able to pick up the phone and talk to a human that knows what the heck they're doing and yeah. can actually you know, answer the questions you have and get the job done. And so I think those are the kind of key things. Someone that can work quickly, make stuff happen, and just has experience. Are there other uh, pros and cons to using a, a custodian that maybe we wouldn't be aware of if we've never used one before? Yeah, so let's talk, I'm going to work a little bit backwards. 
And so I'm going to talk a little bit about the cons because I think in the self-directed retirement arena, you'll hear this. So when you have a custodian, one of the downsides is, is that you've always got this third party, this custodian that's involved. And so what that means is, is a lot of times there's, it's going to take a little more time. So instead of, you know, the investor and you working together directly, we're all kind of working together. So the investor fills out the documents, they send them to us, we look at them, we complete them, then we send them to you, and then hopefully they've been done correctly. And and so that can be a downside, is that a lot of times, anytime you have three different parties involved that can slow the process down sometimes, and it can become a little bit frustrating. But the pro to that, having that custodian there, is that we're going to make sure that things are titled correctly. We're using the correct EIN number uh, because God forbid somebody's using retirement funds and they accidentally use their social security number or sometimes people get confused. They own a business and they may have a 401k, a solo 401k that's attached to that business. And we've seen where clients use the wrong EIN number. So now we've got a problem with the IRS. And so that is where the custodian can be helpful as we're looking at those kind of things to make sure we're not making those kind of mistakes. Great. So, so what is the, the best type of client, you know, for you? So the number one thing I would say, that's a great question, by the way, is just somebody that's motivated and willing to, to go ahead and follow through with what they need to do to get the transaction done. And I, I think you would agree, Whitney, probably a good client for us is a good investor for you. And so we just need somebody that when we lay out a set of instructions and we say, we need you to complete this form and we, we need it returned within two to three days so we can fund your deal, they, they just follow through. Because a lot of the, the delays and the problems actually occur because people aren't, they're not filling in the paperwork completely or they're just not following the timelines and then we get under a crunch at the end. So it's just somebody that's willing to follow through and be diligent and I'm sure you would agree that's very helpful for you too. When somebody wants to invest, they're actually doing the paperwork for you and doing it in a timely fashion. Of course. So are there different types of accounts that we need to be aware of? Yeah, absolutely. And this is where I think you'd want to call a custodian, make sure there's a a good fit for you. In general, we have what I would just call individual accounts. And so those would be where all you need is a social security number. And so that could be a traditional IRA. It could be a Roth IRA. So all you need is a social security number to get those opened. And you can have a custodial-based account or a checkbook account with those types of accounts. On the other side, uh, you can have employer-type accounts. And so for someone like you, you obviously you own a business. There's some options there where you could have a SEP IRA or a solo 401k. One of some of the advantages to those employer accounts is that you can put quite a bit more money aside, typically about 10 times as much aside in the form of contributions as compared to the IRAs. And for that matter, you can have both. And so, for example, I have both a Roth IRA self-directed as well as a solo 401k. So you can actually have both. And so my suggestion is, is let's figure out if, you, if a client's interested do you own a business? If so, then a 401k or a SEP IRA might be a good fit, especially if you're needing to put some money aside. If not, then you're probably looking at having an IRA. And then we want to take a look at, 
and we talked a little bit about this before the program, do you want to have more control? And that would be where you have a checkbook situation. So you'd have a checkbook IRA or that solo 401k where you're kind of taking this custodian out of the picture and you're working more directly between you, you know, who the, you're offering the syndication and the investor. And it really just a matter of comfort uh, with that individual. And I talk to people all the time. I say, hey, if you want more control, just be willing to take on a little more responsibility. If you're comfortable doing that, we're happy to set you up with those kind of accounts. So, you know, I would really like to, to focus on the, so let's say the investor that's looking to invest in a syndication. Yeah. You know, and what is, you know, what's some of the best advice, you know, that we can give to that investor as far as how, you know, what, what type of account, you know, should they use a custodian? Should they not? Depending on, you know, maybe they've, uh, you know, based on their experience, how, how do we help them to better understand uh, how to move forward to be able to invest in a syndication? Yeah, there's really some really basic and simple questions. If they are wanting to use retirement funds, uh, let's number one, make sure that they can actually use retirement funds. And so something that's really common that comes up is they, they may think they have retirement funds available and they actually don't. And so that would be the first conversation that if I were you, that I would be having is, is tell me a little bit about the type of retirement fund. So in general, IRAs are available. They can self-direct those. Where we begin to run into some issues is if somebody has a 401k or a 403b, especially if they have a current employer. A lot of times current employers aren't going to allow them to use those funds. So that'd be kind of a screening question. And then once we figure out, yep, we can use those funds, uh, then we got to look at timelines and how fast, obviously, that custodian can work. And then I would take into account their experience. And so I would say in general, if they're pretty new and you'll have a feel for that, I, I would say it might make a, I, it, let's look for a custodian that kind of help you out and look over the documents. But if you, and you, I'm sure you have both. You have people that are seasoned investors. They've invested with you before. Uh, then I would tend to say, hey, you might want to look into one of these checkbook options. So a checkbook option, I guess, versus having a custodian is a big decision they got to make, right? Yeah, absolutely. The big thing is, is when they have direct control, like a checkbook control, whether it's through an IRA or a 401k, there's really no oversight from the custodian. And that's okay as long as they're comfortable with the prohibited transaction rules and they're comfortable with the correct titling. And I think we alluded to that before. Obviously, we're making the investment in the name of the retirement plan and we got to make sure we're using the correct DIN number. And those are real basic, simple, straightforward things, but those are some of the common mistakes that we actually see when it comes to those kinds of plans. So I guess, you know, when people or when we ask about, you know, are investing using an entity or that type of thing, it would be the, the name of their IRA. Would that be the entity they're investing through? That's exactly right. So if they have a custodian, uh, for example, we're called New Direction Trust. The titling would look like New Direction Trust Company you know, for benefit of Whitney Sewell IRA. And so that's how we would title that. And then they could either establish their own EIN number or we have an EIN number at New Direction that we give to our clients to use because you obviously need that for tax reporting purposes. If they're using a checkbook IRA, people get confused because in that instance, they're really operating that 
IRA through an LLC. And so we want to make sure that it, the entity, the LLC is on title and it's not the IRA. And so, nor is it the individual's name. And then there should have been obviously an EIN number that was attached to that LLC. And the same thing with a 401k. The 401k will have a specific name for that entity as the IRS recognizes it. We just want to make sure and use you know, that specific entity. Of course. So as far as the prohibited transactions, could you give us some, maybe some common things that, that you see people or where people mess up, you know, as far as the prohibited transactions that, that we should be aware of? You bet. And let's talk about it in the form of the syndication specifically. Please. And so where we can begin to see some issues here, uh, some of the prohibited individuals are people that are really directly related. And so let me just give an example. Let's say, uh, and I don't know, but do you ever serve as the general partner? Yes. On some of your syndications? Of course. So because you're the general partner, you actually would not be able to use your own retirement funds. And the reason why is you have controlling interest of that syndication. It's probably a partnership. And so that's one of the things we look for is that uh, we don't want too much concentration of retirement funds from one person in a business. So there's a 50% rule which means you couldn't have one investor with retirement funds own more than 50% of the business. That would disqualify him. And you wouldn't also, because you're the general partner, uh, you wouldn't, like your mom, for instance, unfortunately couldn't use her retirement funds because Whitney's the general partner. And because you have that controlling interest, that would disqualify them. So a lot of times it's tied to who's controlling the business, who's that general partner, and what percentage of that business they own perfectly fine if we're below 50% uh, that they can be involved. And a lot of times I think they would be probably talking about pretty big money to be more than 50% owner of some of these deals. So that's probably not something we run into very frequently. Now, I'm glad you clarified that. And I wanted to just say it again. So if I have 49% or less of the ownership, my mom or my spouse could even invest uh, in that deal uh, using their SDRA. They could. That's exactly right. Uh, if those prohibited individuals collectively, like we had a lot of family members in there that were disqualified, if they own more than 50%, that's where we can begin to run into some issues. Okay. And it would, they would not be able to, to take part in that transaction. Would that be frowned upon anyway, even if it was, you know, let's say it was only 10% of the deal or even less, would that be, would that raise a red flag to the IRS, you know, or make you be looked at, you know, uh, sooner or, or more than someone else? No, I don't think so. I mean, if you're following the guidelines, you're following the guidelines. Uh, and that is one of the places where it's nice to have a custodian uh, because we'll look at that and we'll ask those kinds of questions as that deal's being put together. And so we're, we, we kind of want to know who's related to who and get a feel for percent ownership. And to be re really honest with you, Whitney, because of the dollar amounts on a lot of these syndications, it's pretty rare that one person brings in that big of a piece of money. Right. Yeah, it would be very rare. Yeah. Um, so so what are some other maybe mistakes you see people make or some maybe somebody's come to you and said, oh, you know, um, Chris, I, I've got this going on. I really need your help. Probably the biggest mistake we see is uh, they don't allow enough time. 
And so for the syndications in particular, you almost always have a funding deadline. And we, we see people kind of drag their feet. And the challenge is that people need to be aware of is if you don't already have a self-directed retirement plan and that's where you, you plan for your funds to be coming from, you got to account for, I'd say, a good two to three weeks for that all to happen because you got to set up the account. We got to move money from probably another account, move it over, and then actually fund the deal. And so I would say leave yourself enough time. That's by far and away the biggest thing I've seen is I would say give yourself at least a three-week window to go for like from start to finish and maybe even a month. We recently had a situation where we had a gal that left herself one week. And so we scrambled and did the best we could, but there's a lot of moving parts there and there's some things that are going to be out of our control. So for example, we can't control how fast money comes from the other custodian to us. We can move it fast once we get it, but we just want to make sure that we allow enough time because we don't want to make anybody angry because you've got a funding deadline, they've committed money, and now the money's not there. It creates issues. So I would let your folks know, allow for some time, especially if they're going to use retirement funds and they're not already established. Can I invest in numerous deals though? And say, would the second one be much, much faster or should I allow that much time for each one? Great question. Once the account's set up, and assuming the funds are already there, it's a much faster process. And so the turnaround time, as long as we have all the paperwork that we need, now we're assuming that we have a custodian involved. Now, obviously, if they have checkbook controls, if the money's there, they can fund it. They can send a wire the next day. But if there's a custodian involved, I'd say uh, anywhere from two to three business days from the time that all the documents are filled out to the when we could get the money sent. So it goes much faster once the account's already set up. Awesome. So, you know, Chris, before, before we have to go, tell the listener, you know, what else do we need to know that I wouldn't even know to ask you, you know, about making this happen? Yep. So one of the big things with the syndications, and I want to make sure your listeners are aware of this, is that even though they're using retirement funds, there's still the chance that there could be some tax even though they're using retirement funds. And so there's a tax and it's called UBIT. U-B-I-T, which stands for Unrelated Business Income Tax. So where this comes into play, and especially with your apartment deals like what you do, is when there's leverage being used. So a lot of times we have like 20% down, and then there's a loan in place. So just be aware that there's the potential that even though you're using retirement funds, that there could be some tax that's due. And it really doesn't matter if you're in an IRA or a 401k what happens is, is when there's leverage and where this really begins to come into play is, let's say you have a value add type apartment deal and you refinance at a later date or you sell that apartment, that's where we tend to see that there could be a tax that hits. And the biggest thing I would say is that although that might happen, it's not something to be afraid of because typically if somebody's experienced UBIT, that means Whitney, you've done your job. That means they're making they're making money, and it's been a successful deal. Anytime there's a tax that's involved, that means you made a sufficient amount of money. And so, but I, make sure your folks are aware that there could be some UBIT tax involved, even though they are using retirement funds. Because I know a lot of times you just assume, hey, it's retirement funds. I probably shouldn't be getting any tax, but they could they could face that. 
All right. So, um, you know, Chris, will you tell the listener how they can learn more about your business, your company and yourself, or, or they can get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the company I work with is New Direction Trust Company. And the website is just www.itsndtco. So N like Nancy, D like dog, T as in trust, ndtco.com. And I would encourage people to visit. We actually have a lot of uh, great education, uh, both webinars and guides that they can download. A lot of it specific to what we're doing here with the apartment syndications and things like that. If they want to get a hold of me directly, uh, my email is C Tanner. My last name is Tanner. So it's C-T-A-N-N-E-R at N-D-T-C-O.com. Or if they want to call me, uh, the number is 877-742-1270. And my direct extension is 238. Chris, thank you so much for your time today and just the the value you provided to that investor that's looking to invest into apartment syndication soon. And uh, I appreciate you giving your information too so they can reach out to you and ask you questions and and possibly work with you in the future. I hope the the listeners have have learned a lot from Chris and I hope you will join the Facebook group so you can communicate with him and we can all learn and grow our business together. I hope you'll connect with me on the website and schedule a call so I can help you also if possible. So uh, we will talk to each of you tomorrow. Thank you, Whitney. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate, while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital. Making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.